0: keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
1: i'm tim fitzgerald at gopowercat.com and i'm scott jason with fog.net this is a replay of wibw's
2: tv show the drive here's this week's episode on the 24 7 sports
1: podcast network Good evening, Wildcat Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, you want to just start gloating right now? Uh,
2: just I, I'll, I'll wait to start gloating for the third segment. If you notice that's the number three, three can be three and oh, oh and three. Lots of ways to get a three in
1: there. Mm, you can interact with us on social media <laughs> at facebook.com/slash the drive show on Twitter at thedrive thirteen. And of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version. That means you don't have to look at me. That will (laughs) appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net. And if you'd like to hate tweet Scott Chasen after his behavior (laughs) on tonight's show, you can find him on Twitter. That's all he ever does in life. Mm -hmm. We will start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's, your work boot center. And let's get going with Kansas basketball. The Jayhawks picked up a big road win at Texas Mm -hmm. Tech. I got a road loss out of that. Scott, the Jayhawks were carried by a big individual performance in this one. Tell us about it. Well, Fitz, you're, you're right. It was Ochai Abaji,
2: and it, it was kind of crazy that this was a game where, like, one player on Kansas played well, and probably no one else did. There were other okay performances. Dewan Harris contributed. Jalen Wilson contributed. Christian Brown didn't shoot it at all well, but he contributed on the glass. But, yeah, I mean, one guy played well in this game, and it was Ochai Abaji to the tune of 23 points, to the tune of five boards. Fitz, this is a guy who has taken the next step, and, you know, we talked about last week, which game did you learn more from? Was it that Creighton game, that you know, close win over a very good team, or the Nebraska-Omaha game, the one that followed it? I said at the time the Nebraska-Omaha game because it showed me a a few different things, including uh, what Ochai Abaji's confidence level uh, would be. You see him calling for the ball in that last shot wide open at the rim. That was actually a lob play uh, that ended up going for a layup just because there was a defender kind of blocking where uh, a lob pass would have been. But it's, it was all about confidence for Ochai Abaji, how he would bounce back from having a scoreless outing. Uh, he bounced back against Nebraska Omaha and then continued to turn it on uh, and play at the level he has at Texas Tech. This is a guy who more often than not this year has been above the 15-point mark almost every game, really, except for that donut uh, that, again, came against Creighton. And, you know, Ochai Abaji has is, is just kind of developed his game in terms of shooting, in terms of Uh, comfort level in terms of confidence he shoots off the bounce he shoots from three Uh, he's hitting at over 40 percent rate on his three-point shots he's good in the mid-range he's developing as an inside scorer I think there were hopes that he would take the next step coming into the season but I don't think people quite know and and when I say people I mean even in Lawrence even on that coaching staff uh, that he would be this good as good as he has been You know, Bill Self has said it a few times. Jalen Wilson has probably been KU's best player, at least maybe going into the last game. Uh, But Ocha uh, Abaji had been the most consistent. Really, except for that one-off performance, he's proved that the Creighton game, that was a one-time deal. He's not going to do that again. Uh, This has pretty much been like seven good games, one bad game for Abaji. Fitz, he's been as good as anyone on Kansas to start this year. It's been very impressive.
1: And two buckets off of inbounds plays, designs by Bill Self in Mm -hmm. that final minute. Just huge, enormous.
2: Having a coach that can do it is a big deal. Yep. Well, K-State opened Big 12 play with a little bit of a surprising win at Iowa State and then returned home to be blown out by second-ranked Baylor. Fitz, is this what fans can expect (laughs) from the team this season?
1: Well, maybe not the wins. Uh, Look, they, they looked really good at Iowa State. They might have caught Iowa State sleeping on them and thinking that this wasn't going to be much of a game, and the Wildcats played extremely well. And they came home and they got a lesson. They got a lesson in Big 12 basketball because uh, if you've ever heard the expression men against boys, this game was that. This this is a really young K-State team and this is a big, physical, grown man team from Baylor, ranked second in the country. And this was a mismatch from the very start. K-State was turning the ball over and when Baylor wanted an offensive rebound, you know what they got? An offensive rebound and, and sometimes points, usually points. This was just a mismatch from the, the go in this game, and it probably is something we're going to see more of because there are really good teams in the Big 12. Baylor might be the best, but Kansas and Texas Tech are both pretty good. There are other ones that are going to be very, very difficult for K-State to match up with. But these young guys have to grow up and grow up quickly and learn to fight and be in there and scrap because they kind of back down at the start of this game they got in a hole, they played better in the second half, not good enough to cover our 24 and a half point spread, and I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna caution case staters uh, don't be too worried about this game because I think Baylor is extremely mm-hmm. good. Baylor might be one of the better Big 12 teams and that includes all those Kansas teams we've seen through the years in a long while in this conference. This is a really good team that legitimately could win a national championship as much as we sh- we all kind of agree Baylor shouldn't have nice things. This team's good and uh, K-State wasn't very good and they need to grow up and grow up fast. They take a week now to play some non-conference games including a Monday 1 p.m. game because What are you doing on a Monday of the Christmas holiday week? You're going to watch a little college basketball (laughs) against K-State and Jacksonville. Mm. Not the Jaguars. Mm.
2: That might be more entertaining. No, Fitz, I think you're dead on about Baylor. Baylor is very, very good this year. And, and look, we knew that coming into the year. They've been extremely impressive. Wish we would have got to see them play Gonzaga because that had all the makings to be a a powerhouse matchup. But uh, I would agree. I I think if you're a Kansas State fan, I'd take more from the first game than the second game.
1: I I think I speak for all K-Staters that if the Big 12 would like to cancel K-State's second game with Baylor and Waco, they can use that day for the Gonzaga game. Sure. I'm a giver. The Big 12 championship game was played on Saturday as we shift to football. Oklahoma's defense sparked a six-point victory over Iowa State. Scott, did the better team win on Saturday? You know, Fitz, I, I think
2: so. And it, it's funny just to look at, you know, think about it, and we'll talk about the college football playoff and, and what their criteria and all that stuff is later. But, you know, they're they're kind of edict when they set out, they wanted to find the best team right and at the end of the year in in Big 12 play no one was playing better than Oklahoma now look I know Oklahoma got off to a huge lead I know their defense uh, the Sooners defense really carried them and this one helped them out with multiple takeaways of Brock Purdy Yeah I I know Oklahoma didn't play its cleanest game and maybe they didn't technically close the season back to back you know as as good as they would want but this was a team that kind of had a midway turning point of the season they got some players back from suspension they got healthier they had young players really develop uh, and they became a a complete football team I kind of referenced the playoff there because quite frankly I think if Oklahoma had a game against Notre Dame uh, who is in that that competition will will be in the playoff I think if that was coming up I, I would take Oklahoma I loved the way they were playing to end the year. That takes uh, nothing away from Iowa State. Fitz, we came into the year not knowing who the best quarterback was in the Big 12, not knowing who the best team was in the Big 12 I still have no idea who the best quarterback in the Big 12 is. It might actually be Brock Purdy, even though he had some disastrous games. But look, that Iowa State team achieved so much given how it started the year against Louisiana. Kudos to them. Kudos to Matt Campbell. I just think Oklahoma's a little bit better.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma was really good. And the difference in this game was Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. I mean, against Kansas State that season, Brock Purdy looked like he was ready for the NFL. He looked like a freshman quarterback that didn't have any experience against Oklahoma. That last pass was just a jump ball that didn't need to be thrown. That's mm-hmm. something you throw on the last Hail Mary. I don't know what he was thinking, what he was doing in this game, but if I'm Iowa State and I'm a, I'm a fan, I'm just bitterly disappointed that the guy that was voted the Big 12 first-team all-quarterback, you know what I mean, uh, did that kind of thing at the end of the game. It was just disastrous for Iowa State. It was just... Awful! And congratulations to Oklahoma. It's been a long time since you won a title. (laughs) Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, what happens
2: first in Big 12 basketball play? A, Kansas basketball loses. B, K-State basketball wins. 52% of people. It was pretty split, uh, but 52% jumping on KU basketball might lose. Probably thinking Texas Tech. We know the answer, fits. 48% of people got it right. K-State basketball beat Iowa State.
1: How did they know? I don't (laughs) understand. This week's question is, how many teams should be in contention for the college football national championship? The playoff. (laughs) A, 2, B, 4, which is the current setup. C, 8. D16, E32. Uh, there, no, there's no E. Never mind. Uh, vote on our Twitter page at the drive13. Scott, what's your answer on this one?
2: I think 128. I don't know if that would be G Just not play a regular H. season? Yeah. Just start the season with everyone, slowly elimination. That would set up some really fun matchups.
1: Yeah. That, that would mean Iowa State would be in the loser's bracket. <laughs> that will do it for this half of the two minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K State on the drive.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt, Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, let's switch gears to football if there's any gears to be had on that <laughs> side of the thing. The early signing period took place this week. How did the Jayhawks manage with their class?
2: Well, I actually think it was a pretty successful recruiting, I guess, early period for Kansas. The Jayhawks signed 20 names. And, you know, Fitz, there can be kind of this disconnect sometimes. Uh, Maybe it's perception reality, especially locally, uh, when it comes to results on the field and recruiting. And a lot of times when you bring in a new coach, you're able to recruit at a level above your program, even a year or two into it. And that's kind of what Kansas saw here with Les Miles. The Jayhawks ended the early signing period with a class that is ranked number six in the Big 12 according to 24-7 Sports. Other outlets actually have it as high as five. It's ranked higher locally than Iowa State, which is obviously, you know, was just in the Big 12 championship game, Than Kansas State right down the road. Now, recruiting class alone doesn't necessarily uh, mean everything. You need coaches to develop. You need the talent to kind of complement each other. And one of the question mark pieces from KU's class is actually at the quarterback spot, which um, as Kansas fans could tell you, as a fan of any program could tell you, that quarterback spot is very important. That's how recruiting classes are judged. It's great to get a bunch of defensive backs and linemen that you feel great about. Those are all very, very important things and when you become a good football team they become very important. But those things on their own don't make a recruiting class. So I think the Jayhawks did some good things at the top. You see a bunch of highlights of the run game, and that's not a mistake. Devin Neal is the Jayhawks' top ranked signee. He is a four-star prospect by 24-7 Sports. Fitz, he's the highest rated Kansas signee in program history. The Jayhawks actually pulled in two of their top ten highest rated uh, signees all time in this most recent class under Les Miles. Devin Neal's a kid who grew up in Lawrence, so uh, he's making a short trip just a few blocks over. Uh, when he comes to Kansas, he wanted to play baseball there too Uh, and there's no doubt about this kid's talent I've seen him in person I've seen him had uh, have some monster multi-touchdown multi-touchdowns in one half games where you know he's getting shut down at halftime and you know what one of the schools that's in the college football playoff actually came calling for him and you know he wanted to to stay with the local school obviously he grew up with some some Jayhawk ties there he's playing baseball there too so it's not A normal recruitment in that respect, but I think the Jayhawks are happy about him. They got a couple other kids, one who was committed to Tennessee, one to Minnesota. I think they're thrilled about that, too. So a pretty good signing class, maybe still looking for a little bit more. They're tracking some quarterbacks in the late period. We'll see if they add another one. Very good. Well, Fitz, uh, K-State signed 14 recruits. It was a lot of news for Kansas State. They opted out of playing in a bowl, and then quarterback Skylar Thompson announced Sunday morning that he's returning for the 2021 season. Fitz, what's the current state of the Kansas football program?
1: Well, I tell you what, it's really interesting here for the Wildcats. They did only sign 14 players. It was going to be a smaller class. And honestly, Scott, I think they left a room for some guys to come out of the transfer portal. I think they're going to be looking for some help. They had a lot of guys go into the transfer portal uh, and head off to other areas. Maybe they'll go find a couple players themselves. We'll see. They're being very cautious with their scholarships. In terms of the bowl game for Kansas State, they were all gung-ho for the bowl game. They had a good week of practice using the younger guys. And then the COVID results came in, and there was a lot of it. And I kind of thought this might happen I kind of thought the guys would take a sigh after having to do so much to stay healthy and stay out of COVID situations all football season. As soon as the regular season was over. It's almost impossible for a bunch of young guys not to kind of break protocol a little bit and go out maybe have some fun. It was probably time for K State to shut it down. Anyhow they lost five in a row. They looked mentally and physically exhausted and I know Chris Kleiman really wanted the practice but. I think the team, the players, probably just needed a break from it all. And then they got the good news on Sunday, that Skylar Thompson, who only played two and not even a half game against Texas Tech this season, uh, will come back for that bonus season. Of course, anyone can come back next year if you're a senior. If your team wants you back, you can come back and not count against the scholarship limit. And that's what Thompson's doing. I don't think he'll be the only one to do it for K-State, but he was the first one to announce it. So when you talk about recruiting, they signed Jake Rubley, a very highly rated quarterback out of Colorado. They will have Will Howard back and they will have Skyler Thompson back for another senior year. And of course, then Nick Ost entered the transfer portal uh, since he would be at best, probably the four string quarterback next year. So he headed off to other places. Getting Thompson back is not just good for X's and O's in terms of having a good quarterback. It's good for the locker room. He's a good leader. And this will be another young team next year. So Skylar being around is going to be a good thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, Skylar Thompson, in my view, I think maybe yours too. I think he's underrated. I think that's a fair label to assign uh, to him. I'm I'm excited to see what
1: he does next year. I agree with you. And now let's step out of bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz,
2: Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they were the clear picks for the college football playoff. Well, Notre Dame earned the fourth spot. Did the committee get this right?
1: Uh, no, um, and I know that Ohio State at 6-0 and o seemed to be a clear choice. I don't think they played enough football, and if you look back through their season, they really weren't impressive. They played two good teams all year um, and struggled with Illinois and Northwestern. And neither one of those teams... Uh, made it into the New Year's Six Bowl games. So figure this out. Ohio State gets a lot of credit for beating Indiana, and then the committee turns around and says, well, Indiana isn't any good. We're not going to put them into a bowl game of prominence. It made no sense, and I think Notre Dame coming off a blowout loss to Clemson uh, really didn't belong. They just didn't belong in. That that was the problem this year, Scott, is everyone's resume was so varied and different. A different number of games, different number of elements that went into playing, different start times. It was just very chaotic. This was a perfect opportunity for the committee to reach out to a Cincinnati and Mm -hmm. put them in. But at every turn, this committee leapt people over Cincinnati, including Oklahoma, jumping Cincinnati in the final poll. We had some really good non-Power 5 teams that could have filled the slots, but no. This is about names, Mm -hmm. and I'm tired of it, Scott. I'm exhausted by how this committee picks it. You are predestined to be in the playoff if you're a certain school and you have to lose your way out and others cannot win their way in, period.
2: It's tough. I would have loved to see Cincinnati. I love the swagger of Coastal Carolina. Their coaching staff, I think it was their defensive coordinator who was all fired up. Uh, Grayson McCall had a great year. Fitz. I just wanted to see one of those teams make it. I knew they wouldn't, but um, I I think they deserve to be in. But I, I guess that's a conversation for the future.
1: I think all of us have come to the realization that this doesn't work Yeah. and they probably need to go to eight so that you have automatically qualifiers among the power five and then one non-Power 5 school for sure would have been Cincinnati this year and two at-large bids, and let's go have a real playoff because this isn't working. You should be eligible even if your name is Kansas State, Kansas, TCU, Baylor, or one of those many teams throughout football that have no shot even if they're in the Power 5. Yeah.
2: Well, now let's hear from the fans. And our fan question this week is, Fitz, I know the Baylor game was ugly, but do you think Kansas State basketball is at least better than a couple of Big 12 teams? That's from Henry in Junction City.
1: Well, if there's 12 teams in the Big 12, yes, because they were picked (laughs) 10th. But unfortunately, there's only 10 teams, and I'm not sure they are better than anyone. This isn't a very good team, period, end of story. They're young, they have a lot to learn, they showed a flash of brilliance at Iowa State, caught the Cyclones at the right time. But there's going to be a lot of losses and a lot of lessons learned. Be patient, and let's see what happens because I got news for you. There is some really good young talent on this team. It'll pay off in the future.
2: Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Drive 13 And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive.
1: Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. It's time to take a look at our predictions. Oh, we don't have enough time. We have to not look at these. <laughs> will make, make some Your time. weekly predictions at our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here's last week's results, Scott. You want to cover this? Yeah, the viewers went one
2: and two. Very respectful. Hey, as long as you get one, that that what that's I've always said that's all that matters. Um, I went 3-0. That's great. Now in first place and Fitz, is that number, did you go eight and three? I'm having a hard time seeing that first number. Was that
1: eight and three? It's a zero, Scott.
2: Oh, that's a zero, zero zero, zero. and
1: three. Okay, well, I
2: guess we start with this week's picks, and we'll start with number 14, Texas Tech, minus five and a half at Oklahoma. Fitz, who do you like here?
1: I was just in first, and now (laughs) what's happened? I'm going to go with Tech. Tech's going to win big at Oklahoma. Ah, I I like the Sooners. I like their shooting. I like their guard play. I'll Give me Oklahoma there. Wow, you're just a. On their bandwagon. (laughs)
2: Well, next is uh, number eight, West Virginia, plus five and a half at number five, Kansas. Fitz?
1: Uh, I'll take West Virginia to lose in a close game. How's that? They're not going to (laughs) win, but they're not going to lose by six. That's
2: been the story of Kansas, West Virginia. I will take Kansas, but that's uh, that's a lot of points for a very
1: good West Virginia team. And K-State has that weird Monday game and another bad game. So we went with this important game. It's the Falcons, plus five and a half at the Chiefs. And you know we're going to pick the Chiefs. <laughs> we're both taking the Chiefs. Of course we are. Mm-hmm. Why would we not pick the Chiefs? Again, make your picks on the Twitter on our Twitter page at the Drive thirteen. Don't agree with me or you'll lose. Mm. It's now time for our on the clock segment. On the clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. Let's start with Mr. Scott Chasen of Fog.net.
2: Well. You know, there are a, a lot of things that go into basketball, a lot of things that go into to a lineup working or, or players fitting together and meshing. One of the things that was really interesting as Kansas faced Texas Tech is the Jayhawks were actually better with one big man on the floor than they were in their five guard lineups in terms of what the score of the game was even though that big man really didn't play that well and it didn't really matter who it was, Mitch Lightfoot, uh, he really struggled, he didn't grab any rebounds, he played about seven minutes, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, David McCormick too, he didn't shoot it well from the field, he only grabbed three rebounds in 21 minutes, Uh, but at the same time the Jayhawks actually outscored Texas Tech by seven points when he was on the court, and, and a big part of that was because of how Texas Tech had to defend the Jayhawks. They were giving up a size advantage. They were playing small. They devoted more numbers inside, and that actually freed up some three-point shooting. That won't be the same in every matchup, and I think the Jayhawks have discovered it is definitely in their best interest to go small, to go five guards against the bigger teams they play. They can take advantage of them. This was a matchup where it was kind of flipped. David McCormick did not play well, but he did help out the effort just by being big and being presence.
1: That's kind of what I do on this show. (laughs) You know, K-State fans, I get it. You're going to be really restless this basketball season. You're going to be upset the Wildcats are losing so many games and there will be more games probably like what happened with Baylor. Then again, there will probably be some times when this team pulls together and looks really good and wins a game like they did at Iowa State. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. This group of freshmen will have a larger impact on K-State basketball than the Brown, Stokes, and Wade group. How's that for a prediction? And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it.